Right, we're just going to um, look very simply at a few verses and think about this overall heading of practical Christian living. Um, things that we'll come across each day in our lives in a normal course of events and how, as Christians, we should deal with them. And tonight I wanted to think about how do we handle problems and troubles that are in our lives? How do we handle them? What happens? First of all, I need to say, we need to establish quite clearly that trouble in our life is not going to go away. It's there, right? We're told in the Bible. If you've got your Bibles with you, let's look at a couple of passages just to um, remind us of what is said about difficulties and trials. In John chapter 16 and verse 33, it says, I have told you these things, this is the Lord Jesus speaking, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Well, you can't get any clearer than that, can you? He's telling us we will have trouble in this world. And in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. So we're not to be surprised at all. Um, and we're not to feel guilty at all if we have troubles that we face. But we want to think about how do we face those troubles. The, I mean, there is, I, I'm saying that we should expect troubles. We should not be surprised at them. But there are schools of thought that say, well, as Christians, we should be immune to troubles. Um, I remember during the, the COVID, people were quoting Psalm 91 and saying, well, as Christians, we are uh, exempt. We're going to be protected. We don't have to go through this. And we're taking scripture out of context so often in doing that. Whereas as human beings, we become Christians, but we're still living in a world and we will expect to suffer the same as other people in this world. I think there can be nothing worse than a non-Christian looking at us and saying, well, so you're a Christian, you think you can be immune from all these things that are going around in the world. I think that's, that's not right. And it isn't right, because we're told that we will suffer these things. We're often told as well that the problems that we suffer are because of lack of faith, or it's punishment from God. Again, we've got to get rid of that. It's so punishing on people. You hear of people being prayed for for healing, and they're not healed. And then they go away guilty because they think they've got enough faith. We're getting it all wrong. These things are of the devil. And what the Bible teaches us, quite clearly, and we'll look at it tonight, is that we, will, we can expect trouble, we should expect trouble, but it's how we deal with that. God uses trials to change the way that we live, to transform our thinking, our lives, to <coughs> mature us as Christians. There's a very clear purpose there. But problems come in all shapes and sizes. It's not, you know, the problems that you have will be different from mine. In James it talks about the rich man and the poor man, both suffering troubles. The rich man, you'd expect not to have any troubles, but he has. He's got problems with pride, he's got all sorts of problems. The poor man's got problems because he doesn't have money. You have a problem that's different from mine. So it's a variety, and again, just in First Peter chapter 1, verse 6, he just talks about, just to reinforce this, verse 6 it says, 
In all this, greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. All kinds of, it means a variety, various trials that you're going to suffer. Uh, and in James chapter 1, and I want to be thinking mainly in James tonight, James chapter 1 and verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So there's a whole range of trials that we're going to be facing in life. What are those problems? Well, I mean, you know what troubles you face. I think most people, I think we'd be kidding ourselves if we didn't say that there are days when we find it quite difficult. There are things that are happening in our lives. It might be through illness. It might be through family situations. I know when the, the, ch the children were growing up and when they get to adult age and they marry, and I remember being told by one of the sons, um, you don't need, you know, basically he was saying back off, right? Because <laughs> my opinion was becoming less valuable because he now had a wife who could give him the, the advice he needed. And that happens in life. And then you see them doing things and making decisions that you think they're not quite right, but you can't do anything about it. And I'll tell you what, it gets worse when the grandchildren get to that age. There's one removed, and you have to watch them, and you really have very little influence. So family situations can be difficult. There are problems within families. We fall out with brothers and sisters and all sorts of things. They're there, they're real. Accidents can happen. Financial problems, we might find days that are difficult, we can't make ends meet. We can have problems with friends, falling out with friends. These are all very real problems that we face. And in work and in our studies, we can have problems on a day-to-day -day basis. These are all natural problems, but there's also added to that the fact that as Christians, we also can expect further problems because we will be persecuted, we'll be mocked, we'll be ignored, we'll be opposed. There are things because we stand for something that our friends, our colleagues, our family even might turn and say, well, that's not quite right, and they'll mock us for it. Some of these problems that we face are predictable. You can actually see someone heading for a problem sometimes, can't you? You can see by their lifestyle that they're going to end up in a problem. But most of the problems are unexpected. It talks about in the Bible about falling into trials. It's a bit like walking along a path. There's a manhole, there's no manhole cover. And you're not looking and all of a sudden you zoom, you're down the manhole. It happens very quickly, unexpected. And that's the same um, phrase that's used when it talks about the man going to Jericho and it says he fell among thieves. Same principle. It happened very quickly. And it's talking here about falling into trials in, in James. And these things happen quickly, unexpectedly. So the question tonight really in a very simple way is how can we as Christians deal with troubles in our lives? Because we're going to have them. The first thing I want to suggest is that we need to evaluate our lives. Now, it might seem a strange thing to say, but we need to step back. When we became a Christian, that was a massive change in our life. We, were, we came from darkness into light. We came from being slaves to sin to slaves to righteousness. We came from death to life. That's a huge change for us in our lives. And sometimes when that happens... We perhaps drift into becoming a Christian, but carry on the way we were before we were a Christian. Whereas I think we need to assess our situation at that time, evaluate it. 
He talks in here about consider in James chapter 2. It may also be translated as count. It's, a it's a, an accountancy term. Evaluate the situation. Now, Paul, if you want to turn to Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks about, he assessed his situation, he evaluated the situation before and after. He says in chapter 3 and verse 7, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. So he evaluated his situation and he looked back at what he was before he was a Christian and he said, well, what, was, what were the values there? And he's saying it in view of what he is now, they were garbage. They were rubbish. And he's looking at now his situation as a Christian and he's saying how much he has, the righteousness he has, all that he has in Christ. We need to do the same. We may not have done it when we became a Christian. If we haven't, we should do it now. There's no harm in re-evaluating our situation and looking back and saying, what was I like before I became a Christian? What is the situation now? And looking at those things that occupied our minds before and saying, are they still valuable? Are they still important? Or are things that I now have more important? For example, I'll ask you three questions. Do I value comfort more than character? Is it easier to take the easy option, to be comfortable in the decisions that we make, rather than taking a decision which might strengthen our character but be tough? Do I long for material things more than I long for spiritual things? Now, if we go back to before we became a Christian, material things were one of the few things that we could go for. There's nothing else to compare with. But now we have something to compare with. But do we still find material things very attractive? and something that we want to hang on to? Do I focus on the present, this world, or do I think about the future and eternity? And again, before we became a Christian, there was no choice, but now we have a choice to make. And when we assess our situation, evaluate our lives, it should bring us to the point where we say, as Paul did, all of that really is of worth, it's not worth anything now. It was worth something at the time, because that was important to me. But now, because I've got so much more, those things are not important. And therefore, I want to live my life in a different way. Why am I saying all that? Well, in dealing with troubles, before we can move on and face those troubles, we need to know where we stand in terms of our lives. We need to understand what we are now as Christians. That is so important. And when we recognise what we have as Christians and the different value we put on things, that will impact on how we face troubles when they come along. So that's the evaluation. The second one is just to think about understanding. It says in, in verse 3 of James chapter 1, because you know there's an understanding, there's a knowledge. So as a Christian... We need to understand why trials are coming. Right? If we don't, we'll be no different from anybody else. But if we understand why they're coming, it means that we can view them differently. 
And trials come, troubles come, problems come, first of all, to test our faith. Our faith needs to be constantly tested to show that we are trusting in God. Abram was tested dramatically, wasn't he, with his son Isaac. He was tested. He had to show faith in God that God would provide the answer. And that testing of our faith brings us to grow in our maturity. Because that's what the Lord wants. He wants us to mature as Christians. Not to stay as we were as little children, but to mature and become um, and develop into the people that he wants us to be. And it tells us in James that he wants to develop our patience and our perseverance. And that's what trials will do. Impatient people, they want it now. And that's a growing trend, isn't it? I think it is. I don't remember it being like this years ago. But now everything is instant. I want it now. I want, the, I want it, and it has to be right away. So there's two things that we want it. That's the first thing. It's material things. And secondly, we, we can't wait for it. And that's impatience. And that can be a characteristic of our lives, impatience. But God wants us to become patient. He wants us to wait on the Lord in times of trouble, in times of difficulty, in times of hardship, times of illness, whatever it might be, to have that patience, to wait on the Lord, to understand in what's happening what God is doing. And sometimes we need to wait, and wait a long time for that to happen. But he wants us to have that perseverance and patience. We can read as many books as we like. We can come to as many sermons as we like on this subject. But you know, it won't change us in terms of our patience. It's only when we are tried and tested that our patience is changed. That's why it's important that these trials come along. Because it's through those trials that we can improve the way we live. It's like even when we pray for something, the prayer won't change it if we just we say to God, Please give me more patience. And then the next day we go for the bus and it's 20 minutes late. And we're frustrated. We're champing at the bit. We're wondering why it's 20 minutes late. And God is saying, well, you asked to be, have more patience. I'm giving you an opportunity to test your patience by waiting on the bus. That's how it works. That test will improve our patience. But if we just expect to pray and our, our lives to be changed because we prayed, that's not what God's saying here. It's through the trials and the, the troubles of our lives that our lives are changed. Now, when we start to see things this way, we see troubles in a totally different light from what we would have seen them before. Because suddenly, they're there to help us to mature, help us to become more like the Lord Jesus. The third point is that we need to cooperate. It uses the, verse, the word, sorry, um, in verse 4 it says let allow allow God to have his way in our lives cooperate with God follow him in all that we do God works for us in our salvation he works in us through sanctification making us holy building up our character and he works through us in service for God and it's God working in our lives that we need to be looking at. We need to cooperate with God to allow him to work in our lives, to allow these things to happen so that we can be changed 
and we become more like him. And we have plenty of examples. I said reading doesn't help us to have patience for these things, except when you read in the Bible, of course. When you read the Bible, you'll see examples of all these things happening. And they are great, but we then need to say, well, that's a good example. I want God to do the same in me. We see examples of Abraham, who 25 years he waited for a son to arrive. He had to wait. He had to cooperate with God. Joseph was 13 years going through difficult trials and testings before he was able to take a position of responsibility. Moses spent 80 years before he was able to lead the children of Israel. The disciples spent three years with Jesus, being taught, learning from him and watching his example. And it's as we cooperate with Jesus, as we allow him to come into our lives and affect our lives, that we can mature and become more like him. We also see the example of Jonah, who reluctantly obeyed God, but he was, his heart wasn't in it. We find that he went and preached, but at the end of it, we find him sitting there feeling sorry for himself like a spoiled child because he wasn't happy with God's response. And it's not that kind of involvement that we should have. It's that total commitment to say to God, use me. Use me, use these troubles in my life, these situations that I face every day to change me, to mature me. It's like a child being weaned off a mother's milk onto solid food. It's a gradual process so that they can grow and mature. And we need to be weaned off the things that we, the toys if you like, the things that we play with and that were brought into the things which are meat, solid meat, so that God can use us and that we can grow. Let God do it in our lives. And fourthly, we need to ask. It says in, in verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. When we pray, and we pray often very fervently for situations where it's difficult for us, we can often pray for, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, it's, it's quite a natural thing to do, that these situations would be taken away, that we might be able to cope with them, that you, that God would change it all so it would be, everything would be better. But it's interesting, James says here, pray for wisdom. Right? Again, I come across people, Christians, who have this feeling that we shouldn't go through difficult times. And if we pray hard enough, God will take those times away. I just don't see that. He can do, of course he can. And it does happen. But that's not what it's saying here. We're not seeing the troubles in the way that we should see them, that they are a way that God is using them to help us. And what we do need to pray for is wisdom. So when, when we're in the midst of these difficult times, that we are wise and understand that God is using us at that time. We're wise enough to see his hand working. We're wise enough to know when we should wait and when we should not wait. We're wise to have patience. We're wise to have the right words to say in those situations. We've just been reading Job recently, hasn't it? And the, the friends who come along and give him a barrage of information and advice whether it would been better sitting there to say nothing. We need to be wise. And God, in this passage in James, encourages us to have that wisdom. But he also says that we need to have faith when we're praying for wisdom. You know, faith means that I believe this will happen. I believe God will hear me. He will hear us. 
and he will respond to that. And he will eventually reveal his plan to us. We need to believe that. Unbelief says that, no, God's not going to answer. And there's somewhere in between. We're told that there's this man that's tossed around on the waves who wavers between, yes, I trust God now. No, I don't believe this time. And it happens, doesn't it? Because we have good days, we have bad days. And God is saying to us, I want you to have that faith that when you pray for wisdom, you know that God is hearing you and he will provide in that situation. And finally, fifth, be cheerful. Well, otherwise just smile. Yeah, I've put this at the end, although it actually occurs at the beginning of this passage. It's in verse, verse 2, it says, consider it pure joy. Because I thought if I said that at the beginning, the natural reaction is a bit like someone who's not feeling well and is to pull yourself together. Yeah, it's that kind of, and we think, behave yourself, you, know, you don't understand what I'm going through. But I wanted to bring it in at the end because if we understand and grasp what is happening in our lives, how we've evaluated our lives, if we, if we haven't done it before, do it now and say, what did I do before? What are those toys, those immature attitudes I had before, which I'm still hanging on to? And what do I have now? And where does God want me to be? And when we see where God wants us to be, we can see how the troubles can be joy because we can see that God is actually working in my life today. I have a trouble, I have a problem that I face, but I know that God is in it. And God is doing it for my good, all things working together for good. Because he is wanting to use these things to help me become more patient, to become more wise, and to do the things that he wants me to do. So we need to understand, first of all, the evaluation and, and those this knowledge that we have to have and this cooperation with God. And when we start walking with God in that way, it becomes pure joy. Strange, isn't it? It's pure joy when troubles come, when trials come, because we know that God is working in our lives. We can thank him for that. It says in First Peter 4, verse 10, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It's the last part of that verse. It says, God's grace in its various forms. We read earlier on in Peter about the various types of trials. It's the same word that's used for various. There are various types of trials, but there are various types of grace. And that's comforting, isn't it? That's reassuring that no matter what situation we find ourselves in, God's grace is sufficient. He has got grace to match every situation like that. And one of the nice verses that we all know from Proverbs chapter 3, we're all familiar with it, verses six and, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, cooperate with him, Hand over your lives to him. Allow him to work in your life and he will make your path straight. May we do so for his namesake. I was going to suggest we sang a wee chorus because we like singing, don't we? It's one, I've changed the words, I think, from what they're meant to be. But I, that, don't get me wrong, it's, it's still okay. It's trust in the Lord and don't despair. 
He is a friend so true. You know what? Yeah, no matter what your troubles are, Jesus will see you through. And I think it, it normally we sing, but I'm going to change it to trust. Trust when the day is bright. Trust through the darkest night. Every day, all the way, let us trust, trust, trust. Okay? Do you know that one, Andrew? We'll try it. Trust in the Lord and don't despair. He is a friend so true. No matter what your troubles are, Jesus will see you through. Trust when the day is bright. Trust through the darkest night every day. All the way, let us trust, trust, trust. All right? Sorry you didn't know that one. <laughs> it was a for me as well. <laughs> anyway, it's a good one to take away with us. Trust in the Lord in every situation because he knows what's best for us. He knows what's happening to us. And he is using us and changing us each day as we mature. Let's pray. Dear God and Father, we thank you that you are a loving God, a God who knows everything about us. You know the troubles we face. You know every situation in our lives. But we thank you that you're using those times to help us to grow, help us to mature, help us to have a greater appreciation of you. Help us to hand these things over to you. Help us to trust you. Help us to know that you're in it and that we would just have that faith. Give us that wisdom that we talked about to know the right things to do and say. We thank you, Father, for your love for us. We thank you for your word which speaks to us. We just pray that what's said tonight just may speak to us and help us on our daily walk with you, that we might walk closer to you and where our love for you might be stronger each day. We just pray that you'd bless us in our time of fellowship now and refreshments. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm not singing or moaning again, by the way.